Well, we're in a series called Born Identity or Born Again Identity, and it's discovering who we really are. Who defines you? A celebrity, a culture, a magazine, your parents, the mirror. You're being defined by something. And we want to show you, you should be defined by how God sees you and what he says about you. So we go to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature, because I've refused him. For the Lord does not see like man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So what do you see when you stand in front of the mirror? Do you like what you see? Are you thinking, will they like what they see? What do you see? See, do you see someone made in the image of God? Do you see someone beautiful? Do you see someone to whom God says, you know what? You are quite enough. Do you see somebody made in the image of God? Or do you see somebody who needs to change their image? What do you see? We all want to look good, don't we? I mean, there's a piece of all of us that wants to look our best. And it's okay to look your best. But I think we all struggle to some extent with insecurities about how we might look on the outside. Some of you guys ever been to a gym? You're standing in front of that big mirror and you've got your 30-pound bar, and you're curling with it. You're looking in the mirror thinking, man, I'm ripped. <laughs> and then a guy walks up next to you who's huge, and he's curling a 200-pound bar. And now you're thinking, oh, man, I'm ripped off. I'm not ripped. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all of the joy you were feeling and all of the confidence you were feeling all about yourself just gets sucked away, and your identity gets stolen because you just got mugged by the mirror. Our culture in America is obsessed with outward appearance. We've had reality shows like Extreme Makeover, MTV's I Want a Famous Face, Dr. 90210. We're obsessed with the way we look, our image. And because of it, a lot of people suffer with an identity crisis. You know, you let somebody else or something else steal your identity. Michelle Graham has written a book for women. It's called Wanting to Be Her. It's funny, it's insightful, and it's helpful. She talks about how a new kid on the block that appeared in 1959 and became a cultural icon suddenly took over what an ideal woman should look like. Anybody got a clue who was born in 1959? Look at the screen. There she is. Oh, Barbie. Barbie was an anatomical freak. I mean, to have legs and a body like that, you would have to be literally seven feet, five inches tall. You would also have to have two ribs removed from each side to make sure you got the hourglass figure. She was, quote, the perfect woman. Michelle Graham writes this. This is the image that's been marketed to our young girls all over the world. And Barbie became a one and a half billion dollar a year industry. Then she writes, as I grew into adulthood, I left Barbie behind. Unfortunately, I struggled with the belief that unless I am physically perfect, I'm not as valuable as everybody else. So Barbie moved out and Victoria's Secret moved in. There's nothing like a glance at a Victoria's Secret catalog to make you feel very insecure and disappointed. 
A recent survey found 70% of women felt depressed, guilty, or shameful after looking at a fashion magazine for three minutes. It only takes a flip of your remote control to see that our culture makes a very clear statement. We bought into the lie that says our value is directly proportionate to our physical attractiveness. So the result is people are consumed with outward appearance. 20 billion, that's with a B, were spent last year on cosmetics alone. 2 billion on hair care. Now some of you escaped that. There wasn't anything to care for. All right, I know. $74 billion was spent on diet foods in our nation. You explain that to children in a third world country who don't even have food. Each year, $1.5 billion are spent by beauty companies on advertising. 7.4 million Americans will undergo cosmetic surgery this year. An increasing number of men are joining the ranks. So we've been buying the lie that says, look in a certain way, being attractive means I will be fulfilled. I will be enough. I will be accepted. I will be admired. I will be loved. I will be significant. It will mean I have great worth. Guys will want me. Girls will want me. Employers will hire me. Friends will want to be with me. In fact, friends will want to be me. See, in the past three decades, Miss America winners have had a body mass index that is within the range of malnutrition. The average American woman is 5'3 and weighs 152 pounds. The average model is 5'9 and weighs 109 pounds. Is that image even real? Professionals are paid big bucks to make stars, celebrities, and models look better than they are. There's duct tape in strategic locations that you can't see. They paint on makeup to make it look like you've got a six-pack instead of a two-liter abs. <laughs> Photographs are constantly airbrushed, and the result is a completely phony image. Nobody really looks like that. Actress Julian Moore said in Ladies Home Journal, which I read when I go for a haircut because they don't have any manly magazines, <laughs> says there is so much illusion in photography and in movies. She said, I know an actress friend who's looking at a photograph in a magazine and said, why don't I look like that? And then she said, I realized it was a picture of me. See, most of us can't even come close to those images. Genetically, our bodies can't pull it off. In many cases, it wouldn't even be healthy to try. Unfortunately, the lie gets reinforced every day. And a lot of people, especially young ladies, are literally dying to try to fit that image. So it's the plan of the enemy of our soul to distort our image, distort the image of God in us, and steal our identity. Jesus called him the father of lies. In John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. So the wrong image got started a long time ago when the thief entered the Garden of Eden. Genesis 1, verse 26 and 27 says, The Lord said, let's make people in our image to be ourselves, be like us. They'll be masters over all life, the fish, the birds in the sky, livestock, wild animals, small animals. 
And so God created people in his own image. God patterned them after himself, male and female, he created them. Then God looked over at all that he had made and saw that it was excellent. Very good, he said in every way, and it all happened on the sixth day. Now look at Genesis 2, verse 25. The man and his wife, Adam and Eve, were both naked, and they felt no shame, even when they got out of the shower and looked in the mirror. Okay. I know what some of you said to yourself this morning. Okay. Genesis 3, verses 1 through 4. Here comes the enemy. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And you know what? He's been saying that for centuries now. Hasn't he ever come to you and said, come on, Gloria, did God really say that? Come on, did God really say he loves you? Did God really say that you're accepted, secure, and significant? Oh, come on. Did God really say you're beautiful? Did God really say you're enough? Did God really say you're the apple of his eye? And the woman said to the serpent, we can eat freely from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from this tree in the middle of the garden. Don't touch it or you'll die. And the devil said, you're not going to die. God's just on a big ego trip. God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. By the way, they were already like God, made in the image and likeness of God. See? And you know what? They stood in that garden. Both the man and the woman bought the lie. And they said, you know what? He's right. God's holding back on us. You know, in February... It's, it's called reality. I'm just as normal as anybody else. If I go to the gym, it ain't to compete with somebody 42 years old, and I'm 76 years old, and I'm going to be buff. For what? Does anybody, ain't nobody paying anybody for buff that I'm aware of <laughs> in the ministry. But healthy? Yeah. Have some endurance? Yeah. Good tone? Yeah, that's, a, that's achievable. That pays off. But you've got to stay with reality. I can't compete at that age with, with somebody in their 30s or whatever and do that. And it's just easy to get sucked into that vortex if you don't have a proper perspective of who you are and what you are. And they picked the fruit from the forbidden tree. They looked at each other, people that had been made in God's image, and they said, it's not enough. They felt distorted. They felt shame. They found fig leaves. They covered up. They were probably Louis Vuitton fig leaves or Chanel. I don't know. And ever since that day, we've been trying to cover up our shame too with all kinds of stuff. We've been trying to create another image, an image based on what the world or the culture says. And when we do it, it just pulls us farther and farther away from God and who he's declared us to be. He pulls us further from the truth that I am loved, I'm accepted, I'm secure, and I'm significant. And he kind of makes us empty because when I try to do that and forget that's who God made me, then I've lost the idea that I'm made in the image of God. And it's not just the media shape in our culture. Parents pass it on. They pass it on to their kids. Ira Sacker, who's co-author of the book Dying to be Thin writes this, some of my patients who are just out of nursery school tell me that they're fat. Turns out their moms are saying that about themselves. 
let me ask you a question. What would happen if the words of an insecure mom or an insensitive dad were replaced with words of truth from a loving Heavenly Father? That would make a difference. And I hope it will, because I'm going to try to do that right now. I'm going to call these next four statements victorious secrets. Victorious secrets. Number one, you got to know what God says. You've got to know what God says. Ephesians 3, 18. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. May you have the power to understand and grasp, as God's people should, how wide, how deep, how high, how deep His love really is. So Paul is saying, hey, really know how deep, how wide, how long the love of God is for you. Know what His Word says about you. Be captured by His unfailing love, or the enemy will seduce you, lie to you, and you'll believe it. So knowing what God says about me, I don't want to have to fret about looking just right in order to be accepted. I'm already accepted. I don't have to hide behind the right designer jeans. I am made very well by the God who loves me and doesn't make mistakes. He tells me that through Jesus Christ, I'm already secure, accepted, significant. I'm enough. God's love is one size that fits all. I like that. Henry Nguyen wrote, even though you may not be chosen by the world, you are chosen by God. Every time you listen to His voice, you'll discover within you a desire to hear that voice longer and more deeply. It's like discovering a cool well of water in the desert. Colossians 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than of Christ. That means, folks, you got to start renewing your mind and begin to say to yourself, I refuse to buy this lie any longer. I'm not going to let a magazine cover, a bathroom scale, or a workout club mirror take me captive. I will not be held prisoner by some silly reflection in a piece of glass. I will pursue the image of God in me. So renew your thinking. Philippians 4, 8, let it become a truth grid that you run bad thoughts through. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on those things. When you hear thoughts that pop into your mind, I'm so ugly, you can know that's not true. I run through that grid. Not true. You'll never turn anyone on with a body like that. That's not pure. Or I wish I could look like that, but that's not admirable. Knowing the truth and telling yourself the truth about who you are affects the way you eat, the what you drink, the way you love, the way you laugh, the way you exercise, the way you play, and the way you work. So knowing what God says about you, grasp it, memorize it, let it eat all the way through you. We spend so much time thumbing through the pages of 17, Glamour Magazine, Shape, Cosmo, GQ, Muscle Fitness, saying, if I could only look like that, when we ought to be spending more time thumbing through the pages of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, looking at Jesus saying, man, I wish I could look like that. So as you renew your mind, your image starts to change. Psalms 139, verse 13 says, for you created my innermost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. 
So, so know what God says. And if I ask people, what does God say about you? Who does he say you are? I'm not going to let the world shove me around. I'm definitely not going to let my life get designed by Beyonce or some celebrity or movie star. I'm, I mean, stupid. They can't, they can't stay out of trouble. And I'm going to let them define my life? I don't think so. Don't think so. It's all right to have nice things, but nice things don't make me any smarter, make me any better, don't make me any more valuable. The car you drive, the purse you wear, you've got to live within your means and budget, but that doesn't define who you are. Not at all. Get out of that nonsense, see? Number two, learn to see how God sees. Learn to see how God sees. It's one thing to look beautiful. It's another thing to really be beautiful. You remember the movie As Good As It Gets with Helen Hunt and Jack Nicholson? Jack plays this neurotic guy coming into this restaurant all the time where Helen works as a waitress. And Helen looks at him and says, you know what? When you first came in here, I thought you were handsome. But then you opened your mouth. <laughs> Ever meet people like that? Remember what Samuel said? God said to Samuel, don't consider his appearance. Don't consider his height. I rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at things that human beings look at the same way. People look at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. So in the Old Testament, we meet a beautiful knockout named Esther. She's beautiful all the way to the bone. Her physical charm and beauty opened a door so she could be used by God to save a nation. And there's only a brief mention of her physical beauty in verse 7 of chapter 2. The rest of the chapters are about her courage, her wisdom, her leadership, her compassion for her people. And God used that to save her nation from genocide. That's a beautiful person. Mother Teresa was a beautiful person. She wasn't beautiful physically. She was beautiful inside. See, contrast that with a handsome guy named Absalom, one of David's sons. Listen to this, 2 Samuel 14, verse 25. In all of Israel, in all of Hollywood, there wasn't a man so highly praised for his handsome appearance as Ab. That's in the Bible. This sucker was the Brad Pitt of the nation. From the top of his head to the sole of his feet, there was no blemish found in him. Wow. He's hot. But internally, he stinks. He's full of pride, arrogance, rebellion, violence, and he died a violent death. So if we're going to get a handle on our beauty-obsessed body image culture, we've got to learn to see how God sees. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. Your beauty or handsomeness should not come from outward adornment, like braided hair, wearing of gold jewelry, fine clothing. Instead, it should be your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great value in God's sight. This verse has been hijacked by religious groups and made women to suffer for centuries. And it's not so. Listen, did that verse say, don't fix your hair? No. Did it say, don't wear jewelry? No, it did not. Did it say not to wear stylish clothes? Not at all. Instead, it says your real beauty should come from the inside out. That's all it said. That's where we all need more time working out on the inside. You can turn on our, uh, what do you call that program, Orange County Wives, Beverly Hills Wives, 
and they've got enough silicone in them to have a private Tupperware party. I mean, <laughs> everything's fake. Their lips, their eyes, their boobs, everything's f fake. And while they may have some physical... <laughs> this is my image watching, and I'm thinking, I wouldn't want to be with you. You listen to them talking, they're ugly. They're vain. They're proud. They're critical. They're judgmental. They feel superior, better than I. I can break the rules. They don't apply to me because I'm beautiful. And they stink, right? They stink. Yeah. God, God, that's, that, I'm trying to show you that the real beauty is inside. But God's not against you fixing up. All the patriarchs, it's kind of funny, adorned their wives with jewelry. Abraham sent 10 camels of jewelry and clothing to get a wife for his son Isaac. 10 camels. Some of you wouldn't buy your wife a bracelet. <laughs> and the woman is the glory of the man. And so you deck her out. You go without. She's your glory. <laughs> well, I ought to have at least some women saying amen. That's Bible. She looks like a beat up some, something in livestock got to mange or something, it tells me, you stink. Her husband stinks. Low-life, cheap scoundrel. Work a second job and get her something nice because she reflects your glory. All right. So God's Word has some great fashion tips. This is the Message Bible. Colossians 3, verse 12. So chosen by God for this new life of love, dress in the wardrobe that God picked out for you. Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Now, we could look at each other knowing that and say, whoo, you look hot in that compassion. Knock me down. Wow. You know what? That humility really flatters you. Wow. That gentleness looks so good on you, baby. We can help each other see how God sees what real beauty is. So know what God says about you. Secondly, see how God sees. And third, love who God loves. If you want to get a grip on obsession with yourself, Take your eyes off yourself for a while. Jesus said in Mark 12, verse 31, love your neighbor as yourself. And when we give ourselves into loving our neighbor, serving other people, we take our eyes off us. A famous actress had some beauty tips of her own. She said, for attractive lips, speak words of kindness. For lovely eyes, seek out the good in people. For a slim figure, share your food with the hungry. For beautiful hair, let a child run his or her fingers through it once a day. For poise, walk with the knowledge you never walk alone. See, when our teams go on mission trips to third world nations, after a while, nobody cares about fashion at all. Nobody cares much about makeup at all. They're just serving people who have nothing. And in serving others, they quickly forget about what they look like. Who cares? So learn to love who God loves. Isaiah, Isaiah 58, verse 7 and 8. I go to Europe a lot, and they say Isaiah. So I occasionally pop it out if you're wondering what's wrong with me. Isaiah, Isaiah. 
Isaiah 58, 7 and 8, if you would share your food with the hungry, you would break the chains of injustice, you would do the right things for people that are in need, then your light will break forth as the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Wow, there's healing for yourself by not focusing on yourself so much. When we talk about loving who God loves, you got to love yourself too. We can't talk about that today. That's not our subject, but you need to hear it. I can't love, if I love you as I love myself, I better love myself good or you don't want me to love you, right? Eating disorder counselor Monica Dixon writes this, quote, I have stared into the eyes of a canatonic young woman who subsisted on half a bagel a day while practicing gymnastics for three hours a day. I've held the dry and withered hand of a 21-year-old woman who ran 10 miles a day on two bowls of Special K with skim milk. I've hugged the shaking bodies of a young woman who drove from one gas station to another in the middle of the night buying candy bars, eating them in the car, throwing them up at the next station. I've watched beautiful, bright young women die. And if that's you, please get help. There are treatment centers and hospitals and great counselors available. Get into a connect group or a family of people where the talk is healthy. An Orange County Wives group is not one of them, right? Where people are not focused on the externals. Put people around you to help you grasp God's love for you. So there really is healing in His Word when you tell yourself the truth about who you really are. Look at a great scripture for anybody dealing with an eating disorder. Psalms 107, verse 17 to 21. Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. So yeah, that's calling it what it is. I'm rebelling against the fact I'm made in the image of God. They loathed all food and drew near the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and wonderful deeds for humankind. So, know what God says? See how God sees? Love what God loves? And number four, reflect who God is. Reflect who God is. That's why we were made, to reflect to the world the glory of God and how great His love is. When we accept Jesus as Lord, God comes to live in our lives. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19. Don't you know your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price on the cross. So, honor God with your body. Jesus didn't purchase any of our bodies on a clearance rack. And Scripture says, honor God with your body. Since He lives in us, start saying, I'm not going to trash my body anymore. I'm going to treat it well. See, it's okay to decorate the temple. It's okay to take care of the temple. It's even okay to do a little modification to the temple if you need to. But the goal is not to draw attention to yourself. The goal is to draw attention to the one who lives in you. Let me pause a second, even legalists. You could, you could walk out almost naked, and everybody, you draw attention to you, correct? This is open book quiz, folks. <laughs> or you could walk out here in a burqa, and guess what you draw attention to? You. There's no reflection of God's glory in that at all, either way. The idea 
is to let what's inside reflect the glory of God, not drawing attention to what's outside. It's that simple. You know, some of our holiness friends, if I won't wear any makeup, jewelry, I won't wear this or that. And all you're doing is you walk in looking ugly and everybody's drawn to you. You might as well walk in a pair of short shorts and a halter top and and, uh, you get the same effect. All we notice is you. Well, I don't, but Bobby Davis does. But anyway, I don't know. What do I know? So I just think that's, that's interesting, to reflect God's glory. When I was in London, oh, this has been many years ago, uh, probably 10 or 12 years ago, we were staying, I was preaching around the country, being driven in a bus by Trevor Cockings, and the guy that unloaded the luggage was a Muslim young man, fit, handsome-looking guy. Man, he looked great, and that's the first thing I know. I said, this guy works out. He is fit good-looking guy. And I said, first thing I said to him was, you must work out all the time. You look great. Notice my opening wasn't four points of salvation in the Romans road. And he said, thank you, sir. I do. I do work out. I said, you look fantastic. And I said, does Hilton provide you with the jackets that you're wearing, which didn't fit? He said, yes, sir. And that's all, all I can afford, that they give it to us, and it doesn't fit. I said, I would like to buy you two blazers at my expense, and I did, tailored to fit you in that ripped body. He was like freaked out. And it was only a few moments later after I left that he wanted to know from Jeff, who is this guy? What does he do? He said, he's a Christian minister. See, I didn't argue with him about Islam. I just did something to help him with nothing expected in return. And I can tell you it was a great joy to go back every time and watch this young man's eyes open, defenses go down when he discovered from the reflection of somebody caring for him and doing something for him. That was just a one-off, but it was like, what a difference it made. If we invite other people to worship our bodies, we rob God of the worship he alone is due. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 2 says we are God's love letter. He's written a letter on our lives. Philippians 2.15 says that we shine like stars in the universe. We reflect the glory of God. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says we can be mirrors that brightly reflect the glory of the Lord. It's not how you dress. It's who you are. That's what reflects His glory. One of my favorite verses as I get older and things start to fall apart is 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16 in the Message Bible. Some of you older folks will appreciate this. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it looks like things are falling apart on us, the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without His unfolding grace. There's far more there than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now, they last forever. Remember watching the show Extreme Makeover, and they'd take an ugly duckling off the street, and then with some cosmetic surgery, a little dental care, the right clothing, they make this person with low self-esteem, horrible rejection, look like amazing when they get through with them. And we go, whoa, I can't believe the transformation. What we should all want is for people to look at us and see the amazing difference in the before and after Jesus pictures of our lives. I mean, before Jesus, we dressed in anger, malice, envy, impure thoughts, lust, and pride, and we let the thief distort the image of God in us. We let him steal our identity. 
But as we drew close to God and God drew close to us and Jesus filled up the hole in our hearts through the years and countless spiritual reconstructive surgeries, spiritually, God's done an extreme makeover on our soul. And he's not done yet. And all of us with an internal focus ought to be able to say with the songwriter Mac Davis, I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. When you hear that voice of the enemy say, did God say that? What you ought to be able to say is, yes, he did. And I believe it's true. I am accepted. I am secure. I am significant. I am more than enough. God looks at me and says, you are beautiful to me. I made you exactly like I wanted because I love you. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.